Welcome to episode 3 of Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News and your source for the latest news on New Mexico United. I'm one of your hosts, Seth Benoff, and we've got a jam-packed show for you this week. Week 1 of the USL season is officially in the books, and there's so much to unpack from it. Before we get into our discussion this week, though, we do want to remind everyone about our written content. Each and every week, we will be bringing you a written preview as well as a recap of every match, providing even more of our views on what we think will happen and what did happen. Previews will be live by 8 a.m. every match day over at dadventures.com forward slash Somos Unidos, and our match recaps will go up after every match. All right, a little bit of housekeeping out of the way. We're here, to, of course, to talk United. Joining me, as always, my partner and co-host, Jacob Terrell. Jacob, soccer is back. Week one is in the books. We didn't get the result that we wanted, but it's been a fantastic weekend. It has. The wait is finally over. Uh, we got to watch New Mexico United actually play a match, uh, not just see Twitter updates from closed door preview or preseason matches or anything like that. We actually got to see them out on the field. And uh, yeah, the result wasn't there. I think there were some promising things to take out. Uh, we had some injuries. We had some other stuff. We'll get into that a little bit later. But um, yeah, soccer was back. USL was back. Uh, it was a pretty good weekend, all in all, aside from the result, like I said. So what did you do this weekend other than watch United? Uh, well, other than watch New Mexico United, I watched some Atlanta United. Watched them get a, a victory over FC Cincinnati. Not a real big surprise there, but you know. And uh, I saw, unfortunately, I saw Everton get uh, shut out by Chelsea 4-0. Not a good day for Evertonians around the world. But yeah, that was basically my weekend. Um Watch some watch some football. Uh, caught a little bit of the XFL, but my focus was on USL, and I also even caught some of the uh, Las Vegas Lights and uh, San Diego Loyal match. I don't know if you saw any of that or not. I watched bits and pieces of it. I watched um, OC Orange County and El Paso on Friday night uh, to kind of kick off the season a little bit, uh, and then I watched Phoenix just absolutely dismantle T two. Um, I tell you, Phoenix, uh, they lost some people, but and we know that they gained Santi, who ironically wasn't actually even on the 18-man roster for the game. Uh, but I heard he kind of tweaked his ankle, and they didn't really need him. So uh, they've got so much depth over there in his position, it's kind of crazy. But um, yeah, so I watched quite a bit of USL, uh, at least bits and pieces of every game. Uh, a little bit of MLS on... Uh, Sunday night, man, it was LAFC versus Philadelphia Union, and that game was insane. It ended up as a 3-3 draw. There were Vela scored off a free kick. Um, One of the Philadelphia Union young center backs scored off like a 40-yard free kick. That was just an absolute rocket. Uh, Probably going to win goal of the year, or at least should be in the running for goal of the year. So yeah, it was just a weekend full of soccer, like uh, every weekend will be from here on out, I imagine. Um, Yeah, that's about... It's about what I did. Uh, how do you think the Western Conference shook out there in the USL? You know, honestly, I, I think the Western Conference week one played out about where I expected it to with one exception. I will say that I was surprised by Colorado Springs. They pulled off a, they pulled off a, a, a one, was it a one nil victory? I think it was, or, I think it was two one. Yeah. Two one over OKC. Now I did not see that coming. Um, I mean, yes, Colorado Springs did play better in the second half of last season, but for them to go on the road and be OKC to open their season, I think that's a big win for them. See, I had them as a 
team that could surprise some people um, uh, on a little questionnaire that I did for BGN. Uh, they asked for a surprise team in a good way. And that's who I put down. Cause I just, I, I, even in the match, like we, when we played over there, Freighter got a hat trick last year. We ended up winning like three, one. And, uh, just watching that game in person, I was just like, these guys, like the talent was there. They just couldn't figure it out. And now that they actually have, uh, they actually have FC Cincinnati's old coach, Alan coach Cox. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but, um, he's over there. And uh, since they had him in place from the beginning, I thought, you know, if he can actually get this talent to live up to what I think that they can do, even losing Ish Jom, who uh, came in against us for Austin, even losing him, I thought that they had some potential there. And so I wasn't really surprised to go see see him go into Oklahoma City and beat the energy over there. Uh, part of that is I'm, I'm not very high on the energy either. But, um, yeah, I wasn't too surprised there. I was... I wasn't surprised that Los Dos beat RGV. I was surprised that they just hung five goals on him like it was nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. Now RGV admittedly doesn't look very good, but um, those kids over at Los Dos, because they are literal kids, like it's a bunch of young players over there, uh, they look like they can play, uh, but it still looks like everybody's chasing Phoenix. I mean, to yeah, lose Adam John, to lose Adam John and then have his replacement get a hat trick in game one coming over from Europe is like, what is that? It's not even fair. It really no, isn't. Not at all. I mean, yeah, like you said, everyone's going to be chasing Phoenix, um, barring like major injuries or a significant uptick in performance from the rest of the conference. Um, I mean, Phoenix is probably going to be the hands down favorite to win the conference again, uh, regular season anyway. Um, but it is week one, and there is a very long way to go. Uh, so I, I think there's still a chance. It's still very wide open. You know, no one's really like pulling away, and I don't, and I don't see that really happening until maybe about week week twelve or fifteen. We'll probably start to see like some real separation between, you know, like maybe the top four and then the rest of the table or somewhere in that area. So yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to see. But yeah, Phoenix looked unbelievable the other night. Um, you know, and, and sticking with the Western Conference, you know, San Diego and uh, Elliot and Las Vegas looked. Uh, that was a fun match to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Las Vegas is going to become like the 1970s, you know, Braves with all their hokey uh, theme nights and whatever. But um, Eric Wanalda and Landon Donovan round one ended in a one-one draw. Um, yeah, I, I think I think San Diego is going to be fun to watch this season as well. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, Las Vegas for all the weird, quirky things that they do, if they actually start putting a product out on the field that's succeeding and winning, um, then a lot of people could kind of stomach those poolside or feel pitch side kiddie pools and <laughs> confetti and the whacking, waving, inflatable arm filling tube. And, you know, if they actually start putting a product together that looks good. Uh, I can overlook that and just enjoy what's on the field. But uh, last year, that wasn't the case, aside from when they played us in Las Vegas and they destroyed us. Uh, they just were so inconsistent. So if Eric Ronaldo can get his team playing at a higher level, then you know those quirky things might not be that big of a deal. Uh, I, I watched a little bit of that match and then uh, saw the highlights and read up on it. I saw the goal from the Las Vegas Lights player, uh, which... 
arguably could be goal of the year in week one. Um, so, and that was like in the sixth, fifth or sixth minute. So they really didn't do much after that. Well, they had like 20 some shots, but I, from what I saw, I wasn't really scared. So it, it's going to be an interesting year. I think there's going to be a lot of teams vying for the playoffs. I think basically everybody except for maybe uh, RGV and Tacoma, even though Tacoma had a lead on Reno for most of that match until they gave up three unanswered on last Friday to lose. So, you know, it, I think every match is going to be at least competitive and uh, it's going to be interesting from here on out. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the conference shakes out. Um, you know, it, long way to go. Players are going to get injured. Clubs are going to go through uh, spurts here. And then we're just about a month out, uh, just under a month out from the start of uh, U.S. Open Cup for the USL teams. So that in itself is going to throw in uh, yet another wrinkle to how the season's going to play out for folks. So, all right. Enough of the Western Conference. Let's jump into our New Mexico United centric coverage, which is what we're here for. First and foremost, you and I. Okay, so you and I kind of called this first bit of news we want, we're going to talk about here uh, on our first ever episode. We talked about the casting call that was put out for the club as far as a broadcast position with the club itself, and. A couple days ago, we got the news that there are two broadcast teams that have been announced. One Spanish-language broadcast, uh, Mini Esquivel and uh, Adri Cortina. Uh, some of you folks who, if you listen to uh, Seek and Strike Collective, uh, Adri is one of the co-hosts over there. They will be the Spanish broadcast team. And then, of course, on the English broadcast side, Tyler Ortega from the club uh, is going to be joining Chris Hurst uh, in the booth. And then the local and the local reporter, J.J. Buck, who is on 610 KNML, will be a sideline reporter for the club uh, during the matches. So you and I, like I said, you, we kind of called this a couple weeks ago that there's going to be you know, a broadcast deal. Um, we still don't have details as far as who is going to be broadcasting, what the channel is going to be, but we have our, we have our teams. Yeah. And I don't think there's really any surprises as far as uh, the English side, for sure. Uh, Tyler and Chris, I believe called one of the matches last year for ESPN plus and, uh, you know, they everybody loved it. I even re- went, and even though I was at that match, I went back and rewatched the telecast on ESPN Plus just to see how awesome those guys did. And uh, so that was really no surprise there. The Spanish side, uh, I don't speak Spanish, obviously, but um, I think that they, from what I've seen from them and listening to Adrian Seek and Strike and everything, I think they uh, they did well there. Uh, having JJ Buck on the sideline is going to be fun. He uh, he was up in the press box with us all last year and. Uh, he's a really good guy and and knows his stuff, so I'm excited to see what that happens. Um, just waiting to hear the details of where we can actually watch them and where we can listen to them at other than on ESPN+, Plus, because um, I know that most of the teams in the USL have their local broadcasters that broadcast the matches, and everybody that does have that usually have a local TV deal so that they can play it on you know uh, Channel 50 or channel 19 or at least that's what they were when i was growing up i don't know what they are now but um so yeah i i'm super excited to hear the news um so happy for the guys and gals that are involved with it and uh 
can't wait to see what the other, the, even in the announcement when they announced the broadcasters, they had a big announcement coming in the next week or so. So excited for that. And uh, not surprised, but definitely got the blood flowing and going, okay, now we're talking. I'm hoping that by the first uh, home match on the 21st that we'll have the news there and it'll that first home match will be on TV. So like people like my grandma can watch it and uh, have some fun with it and see why I get so excited when I go to the matches because she only was able to watch one of the matches last year that was on ESPN News. Uh, so I think if she can watch all of them, she'll she'll be super excited about that. Yeah, last year was great. You know, we had the the broadcasts live on Australia for a handful of the matches, um, at least at home last season. Um, now, I, I don't expect to, that uh, we'll have any you know, away TV coverage, um, but uh, ESPN Radio 1117 will have some of the away matches being broadcast there. But as far as a TV package goes, I mean, who do you – what channels do you see possibly being broadcast partners for the club? I mean, obviously for the Spanish language uh, broadcast, I would expect Estrella. Um, and then one thing that kind of caught my eye, it was either, I believe it was a tweet from Peter that said that the uh, broadcast will be provided free. So I, I'm guessing it's going to be one of the OTA channels. So I don't know, maybe like, my CW or you know my TV or you know something like that or maybe maybe even Casa Fox too. I don't know. What what do you think? Yeah, I think the uh the CW or my fifty TV are the two leading candidates. They're the ones that have uh like I know the my my fifty TV I think has Broncos preseason match or games on there. Um stuff like that. And that's usually for the other teams that are in the USL I know that that's kind of the those are kind of the stations that are looking at broadcasting them uh, for them. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that. I would be surprised if it's a Fox, ABC, something like that. I don't think that's going to happen at all. But um, I I really don't care, you know, who has them as long as you know more people can watch them. That's all. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing about this is that um, for those folks that don't have ESPN Plus, you know, it, the matches being on broadcast television are just absolutely huge. You know, we've discussed it and I've spoken to a couple other folks about it as well. You know, the club being able to reach as many people out there as possible, and probably there's probably a large percentage of folks here in New Mexico that are still using OTA that aren't that don't have some sort of you know cable package or satellite package you know we pers- we don't have anything like that we just have our you know well they're not bunny ears anymore but we've got one of those um like a paper thin recycled antenna things uh, you probably know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. we've got one of those and so it, it works really well um so, but yeah it's it, it gives that many more people the opportunity to experience this club you know, if they can't make it out to the match. Yeah. And that's going to be the biggest thing is just getting as many eyes as possible on the club and letting people that may not have had a chance to go out to a match or watch it on ESPN plus uh, the opportunity to get eyes on it and see what United's all about and see the energy that it's bringing and, and turn more people onto it. And, uh, you know, even if they're not, you know, super soccer fans and they don't uh, all of a sudden go out and buy season tickets, if they even just, uh, help out with the stadium and getting all that passed when it comes to be, then, then that's a win in my eyes as well. So, uh, 
just bringing New Mexico together through television now is is going to be the next step. I'm almost surprised it didn't happen at all last year, aside from Australia. Um, I'm surprised that we didn't get a local deal for English speakers as well. But um, better late than never, I guess. And the second year is a good time to do that. Speaking of last year, I mean, would it, I don't know if you, I'm sure that you realized it, but you know, even ESPN Radio 1017, the team, didn't have coverage initially at the beginning of the season. They had very minor discussions about it, you know, on the Jim Villanucci show, um, which is really basically the only local show that they had. And then, you know, it wasn't until partway through the season that they announced the radio deal. And then they introduced United Weekly. I think last season, no one really knew how big it was going to be. And then once they kind of keyed into it, that's when everything started falling into place. Oh, for sure. I mean, nobody knew that it was going to take off like it did. Not even the club. I mean, the club had high uh, hopes for what it could be, but you could tell, especially us as media last year, how much they were scrambling towards the middle of the season when it actually started booming. And as far as the beginning of the season, not having um, coverage was the whole reason why Somos Unidos News came about was because, you know, there was, you know, we were getting like a, five sentence blurb in the journal uh, talking about the match and that was it. So we decided to take it into our own hands. Uh, and now, you know, we're low man on the totem pole because you got these big wigs coming in and, and wanting to cover it. And that's great because they get way more eyes than we do. Um, I just hope that we can find a good little niche for us and, and the club recognizes us as a, uh, as a good source and a good local source and a good uh, fan driven source that they can, they can utilize as well. But yeah, I I think that um, towards the end of last year with the amount of coverage that came up, it was just, it was inevitable that, that we would get uh, a TV deal. And I'm so happy that the radio broadcast is covered. I've never actually listened to soccer coverage on the Mm -hmm. radio. Um, You know, I used to love listening to baseball games on the radio, um, basketball games and football games every once in a while. But um Soccer is to me is such a visual sport uh, because you there's so many little nuances to it that that I have a hard time imagining it on the radio. But I know they're getting some ears on it, and uh, more people are listening that way if if they can't watch. So so that's great. I just anything and everything that we can do to get United uh, into more people's heads, the better to me. Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't listened to it. Uh, I actually that listened to uh, Champions League. Uh, stream while well, streaming online, but still, it's the it's the radio broadcast from the BBC or you know whoever the broadcaster is over in in Europe. And so, you, you mentioned being a huge baseball fan, and I was too. You know, we had, you know, out here you had guys like Vin Scully, you know, doing the play by play for the Dodgers. Back east, we had you know Harry Carey, we had Skip Carey, we had you know those guys that did that were on the radio and TV calls. And they just had a way with words, especially with, yeah. with football. You have to, if you don't have a quality broadcast, it, it's hard to follow. But I, you know, that is something that's really come, um, even in just the first season that came, has come a long way. And the guys on the call for ESPN radio, um, are extremely talented and they're mm-hmm. super knowledgeable about this, about football and United. And so I think they, they did a fantastic job the entire first season. Yeah, that's good to hear. I'll uh, I'll definitely try to catch a match um, or two 
well, at least parts of matches. Um, part sometimes on those away matches, what I need to do is is uh, put the USL or the ESPN Plus video feed up on my TV and mute it, and then bring on our guys if we do away match a couple more away matches because um, sometimes I will say that Austin's wasn't was actually very good compared to a lot of them last year at not being so homerish, but some of those, yeah. like I remember when uh, we were playing Sacramento and Brucey had that just amazing strike from 30 yards out or so. And the announcers just being so completely blah about it. And it's like, dude, that was just yeah. one, definitely the goal of the week. And your reaction was as if your grandma died. Like what, what are you guys doing? So I think I'll have to definitely try that out and uh, check it out. I believe it's Andy Hageman and Adam Deal that do it, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And they have the uh, the TV show or uh, on ProView Networks called Fever Pitch. And I checked out uh, their first couple of episodes. And man, it's great. It's it's hilarious. Those guys have good rapport with each other. Um, they're very knowledgeable, like you already said. Uh, it's only about 30 minutes long, so you can kind of blow through it. Um, and they... Uh, the the two that I have seen have been have been really good, really funny, really informative. Uh, so I'm going to keep watching that for sure, and and then hopefully listen to them on on the radio broadcast here pretty soon. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. All right, let's move right along. Next thing we had on our list to talk about: USL Power Rankings Week One. Again, matches are all in the books. USL Power Rankings came out not quite so arbitrary as the preseason ones, but. Uh, in the uh, in the in the in the week one polls, New Mexico United did slide one spot from tenth to eleventh. Uh, their comment was, "You don't want to lose the opening game of the season, but there were signs in Austin that New Mexico is going to be okay in the long run." Uh, do you feel like you know this is based on the on the loss, you know, one nil on the road to a, a, a good team like Austin, um, that you know, only sliding one spot is is about right? I was actually surprised it wasn't more um, just because usually in these early season ones, you know, if you lose, I mean, look at Orange County, they drew uh, against El Paso and dropped three spots. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I was expecting to drop maybe a little bit more, but um, I was happy with them pointing out that, you know, there were signs there because there were um, that will be good. So, so I'm glad other people saw that and didn't just press the panic button on it right away, like some of the fans here in New Mexico did on Facebook. Um, so I'm glad that it I'm glad that it was just one spot. I think uh, I think we can float right there around ten as long as we're um, competitive in these matches for a while. Uh, where's Tulsa at? Uh, so Tulsa's at twenty three. And that's who we play next. So, you know, theoretically in my head, you know, if you beat, if we were to go out and beat Tulsa 1-0, 2-0, something like that, you know, it, that's in my eyes, that's something that we should do according to these power rankings. Um, but like you mentioned, these things are so arbitrary. I mean, Colorado Springs was 32 last week and jumped eight spots because of a win. Um, but who knows? It, it's, it's a... I'm happy that we only fell one spot. It looks like Austin, um, San Antonio, and St. Louis kind of jumped up over us, uh, and then a couple people fell behind us. But um, those three teams all had really good performances. I mean, Austin beat us. Uh, St. Louis destroyed um, – oh, who'd they play? Miami. 
Uh, they played mm-hmm. Miami FC, the Miami FC, um, and San Antonio got a win as well. So um, those all three probably should be above us, and and I think that uh, we're right about where we should. It's still very, very Western Conference heavy in the top ten. Um, it looks like four spots there in the East, and then everything else is West, just like before the game started. So, um, it's going to be a fun season in the West. I can, I can tell you that. And I, I feel like the power rankings actually, for the most part, got it right. What do you think? Yeah, I would say so as well. Um, I it's very early, you know, uh, a one nil loss, um, on something that, um, you know, probably in a match that could have gone either way. Um, you know, I think it's, it's fair. Like no one, uh, I mean, aside from, you know, like Phoenix and, you know, St. Louis and a couple of teams making you know, statement wins like that. Um, yeah, I mean, everything feels about right, you know, um, it'll all sort out, you know, again, this is all basically, you know, eye test, um, type stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could probably go through, if we watched every single match, we could probably come up with a, uh, with probably 10 differences from this list on uslchampionship.com. But, um, yeah, I, you know, it is what it is. Um, I know last season they had us all over the place, you know, from week to week there at one point. And yeah. so, it, but no, it is definitely not the end of the world. One loss it, you know, we're, everyone's going to lose at some point, even Liverpool finally lost. So, you know, it's, it's going to happen, you know, honestly, don't pay too much attention to these unless, you know, you feel like, you know, if we go on like a six match winning streak and then we're still like 12th, like then I'd have an issue with it. Yeah. But you know, it, it is what it is. It's, it's one person's opinion and uh-huh. you know, so yeah, that that's all there is uh, to that. Um, looking at the at the conference though, are there any matches like that you would watch outside of United this weekend? Because I know that we have a fairly late start time. I th- I think like I was looking at it earlier, and there's there's a lot of really interesting and intriguing matchups um, coming up in the Western Conference this week. You got a the first game of the four corners cup over there with Phoenix versus real monarchs. Um, that's going to be a good one. That always is a good one. Monarchs kind of had their number last year. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see what happens there. If Phoenix can stay as hot as they were in that first match. Um, you got Colorado Springs against San Antonio FC. So two teams coming off a win, um, that both looked pretty good. You got Reno and orange County that, uh, both, both looked fairly good on that opening Friday. Um, Orange County didn't get a win, but uh, they looked solid against El Paso. And uh, Reno got the win against Tulsa or Tacoma finally after they woke up. So there's a bunch there. And then tomorrow night, actually, uh, Los Angeles, uh, Los Dos plays um, Austin, uh, two, two other teams coming off a win. So, so I think there's going to be some intriguing matchups outside of ours that I will definitely, uh, if not watch fully, will definitely try to catch as much as I can. And, um, hopefully, hopefully get some results that help us in the standings. Um, draws are always nice in some of those cases where you're chasing teams. So, uh, and I know we're not necessarily chasing teams with it being the second week. Uh, I saw on, uh, wanted to run this by you before we got into the recap. Um, there was a gentleman on Facebook. I'm sorry. I don't remember who it was. Uh, but he posted uh, something about, is it crazy to say that week two is a must win? 
and uh, he yeah. got ripped for it for the most part. <laughs> um, but I, I kind of understand where he's coming from. Now, I'm not going to say it's a must win by any means, um, but I, I would say that, you know, you'd like to see some improvement over week two or week one. And uh, I think it's as close to a must win as you can have in the second week of a season, if that makes sense. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Is it a must win, quote unquote? Uh, no, I, I don't think it's necessarily a must win. I, and to the, the person that person that made that comment, I think you're a, a little bit of a, a little bit reactionary there. Um, yes, there were things that did not look good on Saturday night, but there were some things that did look good. Um, like you, like you said, Jacob, you know, there are definitely some, uh, you do want to see some improvement. Um, but it, it's definitely not, I, I don't see it anywhere close to being a, a must win situation again week one of a what 34 week season we've got a yeah. long way to go yeah I, i'm not worried in the slightest just yet like i said there there are a lot of positives um so yeah don't i i wouldn't even go i wouldn't go anywhere near that far and um, to be fair to be fair he did in the comments say that he wasn't necessarily saying it was a must win he just was trying to get some opinions from other people and see their thoughts. And, um, you know, I, I love the New Mexico United Nation Facebook page. Uh, there's a ton of very, very passionate fans in there. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, you can definitely tell after losses that some people just lose their mind. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 uh, I'm not going to freak out necessarily. I was, uh, I was not happy on Saturday night after the match ended, but um, uh, I'm not going to say we're going to miss the playoffs now by any means, and I'm not going to say that uh, we're not going to finish top three like I predicted to begin the year. Uh, it's too early for that. Now, if we come out and we fall flat in week two and lose, and then lose the home opener, heaven forbid, against El Paso, you know, then I might be kind of, okay, guys, uh, we need something here, especially if the offense doesn't quite click. But uh but I'm not going to say that week two is a must win by any means. Um, to jump back just a little bit, were those, uh, did you see, did you have any other matches in the Western Conference that you were looking at other than those ones that I mentioned? Yeah, looking at the schedule, um, the ones that stand out to me this week are Las Vegas and Sacramento. I think that's going to oh, be yeah. an interesting match to watch. Um, Las Vegas is. Well, both those teams are, are, are supremely talented. Um, that could be like a, a four, three match. Um, by the end of by, by the time it's all said and done. And then the other one that I would look at, um, you, you mentioned, uh, Real and Phoenix. Um, I'm going to stay away from that one. I would actually also say the San Diego loyal and RGV match on Saturday night as well. Uh, you know, uh, former club guy Ron Patel is out there in RGV now. They are, you know, trying to build a a really great atmosphere, really great club over there. Um, and to see for them to be going and taking on San Diego Loyal, I think that um, that could be Loyal's first win of the season in that one. Um, but I definitely think it's worth watching um, to get kind of an an idea of what Loyal uh, likes to do. So I I, uh, I love the RGV off-field stuff uh, with Ron out there and I, what I know he is capable of building up and stuff. Uh, but right now, the, the on-field product in RGV just it 
it does not look uh, where it needs to. So I couldn't get excited to watch any match with them involved right now. Um, just because I, I just, uh, I was not, I, I, I tried to watch a little bit. I watched the, the highlight package and then I was like, well, let's see what actually happened here. And I watched like the first 15 minutes and was just like, yeah, no, uh, they just, they just didn't look great. So I've even with San Diego coming in off a draw and, being a first year club and not kind of knowing everything about them. I fully expect them to get their first win there and uh, would not be surprised if it's, you know, two to three to nil. Um, that Joe Greenspan back there on the back line of San Diego should be able to handle anything RGV throws up front. Uh, so I just, I couldn't get excited about that one, but I do understand where you're coming from with uh, Ron Patel out there, our buddy Ron. Uh, so I do understand that. Let me ask you this. So the news came out this week that Tim Howard is going back to the pitch, uh, resuming his uh, old position as secretary of the defense for Memphis 901. How long before we see Landon Donovan suit up? Well, if Landon Donovan <laughs> saw if Landon Donovan saw Tim Howard's performance uh, in the second half last week where he gave up four unanswered goals to Indy 11, um, hopefully he doesn't rush it. Uh, and doesn't say, yeah, I need to do this right away. Uh, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens at some point this year, but uh, I also wouldn't be surprised if he stays on the sideline in a suit, you know? Yeah. All right. So I don't know if you saw the the late change that I made to our, uh, to our show notes here, but I put a, threw in a, a mystery topic. Uh, so you know, we had some uh, technical issues earlier trying to get sorted out and I don't know if you, I kind of threw out a question to you. I don't know if you caught it or not, but, um, how, how familiar are you with the USL league two website? With the league two website? Not at all, yeah. my friend. I, I haven't checked. Okay. I, I've been on so, league ones, but no, I don't think I've ever even been to league two's website. All right. So I, I frequented the league two website last year, trying to you know keep an eye on the, uh, on the soul. And let me just say that the league two website is absolutely horrendous. <laughs> it is. I don't know. I don't know what their back. I don't know what their infrastructure is for the league two, even the league one website, but they don't keep very good stats. And the website itself just takes forever to load. Like if you look at the USL championship pages compared to USL league one or league two, like it's just night and day, like how bad the league one and league two pages are. But something dropped today on the USL league two website. Hasn't been announced anywhere, not by the club, not by anyone, but the New Mexico United U 23 schedule is out. Oh, really? All right. Give it to me. I'm excited for this. What's going on? I know that they're supposed to be playing all over the state. Um, Does it have locations and times and everything? Not for the home matches. Ah, I knew it. All right. So you're familiar. You're familiar with the soul. They played in the mountain division of USL league two last season. That's the, that is of course where New Mexico United U 23s are going to be playing same opponents, park city, Colorado rush, Ogden city. It's a four. There are only four teams in the division this season. They will play each club four times home, uh, twice, two times at home, two times away. So, the Mountain Division is set to kick off on Friday, May 8th. 
The New Mexico United U23s are currently scheduled to take on the Park City Red Wolves May 8th and May 10th here in Albuquerque. Well, supposedly here in Albuquerque. There are no time exact times or locations set for those matches. They then play the following weekend, May 15th and 17th, at the Colorado Rush. Uh, They then take on the Park City Red Wolves again, uh, May 29th and May 31st. Those are our way. Then we've got Ogden City on June 19th and June 21st. Those are here in the state. Colorado Rush, July 3rd and 5th. Again, those are going to be home matches. And Ogden City to close out the season, July 9th and 11th. And those are, of course, away. Interesting. Yeah. So no news on the roster. No news on on, on who's taking over the, the coaching responsibilities. I mean, Troy is listed currently as the head coach of the U23s uh, on the USL League 2 website. Uh, I'm assuming Troy is not going to be there at all of these matches. Um, so, yeah, I, I just this came out of nowhere today. Just kind of popped up on their website. I found it on, on a Reddit earlier. And so, yeah, I, interesting little bit of news about the U23s that we didn't see coming from anywhere. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, we're still two months away, according to that, from their first match. So that's a lot of time for us to, you know, see what the roster is, see who the head coach is. Um, I I was excited for the soul last year, but with kids and everything, you just don't get a lot of time to go, a time and freedom and money to go do everything that you want to do. So I didn't get out there to a match last year. Um, you know, I'm... Uh, as we've mentioned before, I'm moving in June. So I don't know if they have any home matches after that, but uh, if they do, maybe they could play, hopefully they play somewhere down South, uh, Southeast. So I can go check them out. Uh, I'd love to get out there and see what that's all about. I'm very intrigued to see what the roster ends up being and how many local kids are on it. I imagine there's going to be quite a few. Um, So that, that right there is really exciting for me. Uh, and to see, like, <clears throat> to see what um, what they look like at a younger age against uh, against actual other teams from other states, and then to to have that you know feed directly into New Mexico United probably uh, is is very intriguing, very exciting, uh, and I can't wait till we can find out more about that. Thanks for bringing that up. That uh, that is definitely was definitely a surprise, and. Uh, Hopefully we get some more information on that a little bit soon. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You know, so the league, I don't know if you're how familiar with the league two rules as far as roster composition goes, but they can bring in, uh, it's basically a developmental league. They're considered amateur athletes. Um, so like collegiate players can come in, high school players can come in. So I imagine we'll probably see like Gabe Legendry, mm-hmm. the high performance player, probably some more, some more of the players from that. Um, Maybe we see some of the guys from the UNM club soccer team. I don't know. It's a possibility because, uh, you know, UNM is still continuing with club soccer. They're not necessarily doing, right. you know, Mountain West or Conference USA co- competitive play. But I think that gives, you know, some guys there who are interested an opportunity to go at least come out and try out, you know, high school players around the state. Who knows? Especially with it yeah. being you know, primarily in the summer. Yeah, exactly. That's I, I kind of expect to see several HPP kids in there. Um, 
I would imagine that that would be a good place place for them to test their skills. I mean, we saw Gabe come in against Cardiff City last year, and uh, he held his own. Man, he looked he looked small compared to those Cardiff City guys, but almost all of our team looked small against those Cardiff City guys. But yeah. um, he held his own. His speed looked good. He definitely didn't back down. Uh, his ball control looked pretty well uh, for what little he had the ball at his feet. I mean, so I'd love to be able to watch him uh, in that U23, in those U23 matches. That would be very exciting. Yeah, and, and like we mentioned, you know, Peters has said that, you know, he wants to take that take the U23s around the state. So, you know, maybe they'll be down in like Las Cruces or Socorro or, you know, maybe somewhere up north like Santa Fe, Taos, somewhere in that area. You know, maybe, who knows? I think it's a great way to to move the club around and get some more eyes on, you know, uh-huh. potential guys who could be potential stars, you know, at the next level, either with the the club in the USL Championship or even maybe, you know, a bigger league like MLS someday. Who knows? So exactly. All right. That's enough of our news. I think that's all we had. I couldn't find anything else that uh, came out this week. Uh, so week one, let's just jump right into it. United Falls 1-0 on the road in the season opener to Austin Bold. Uh, the lone goal was scored uh, off of a penalty, um, which Cody Shocker. made the right. Yeah. Cody went the right way, just couldn't get to it. Um, but yeah, disappointing results. Not what we expected uh, at all. Um, I don't think either of us predicted us losing, uh, this match. Um, so yeah, kind of, kind of hard to swallow. Um, uh, we did, we did not look good at times, uh, particularly, um, a couple players in particular, but I, I think that, you know, uh, the club tweeted it out and we've, we did we mentioned earlier, there are positives to take away. Um, so, I mean, for you, where did we fail in this match? I don't know. Like if we were given every aspect of the game, uh, a to F grade, I don't think I'd give an F or a fail necessarily anywhere as far as our positional groups. So the back line, I thought overall, uh, looked really good. Um, 95% of the match, um, We'll just, I'll just call it like I see it. You know, Schmidt had a terrible game. Uh, he looked, mm-hmm. uh, looked a step behind everywhere. Um, he, he did save a guaranteed goal basically, uh, with a ball that, um, McFarlane, I think it was, put across the box. Cody got a hand on it, but couldn't move it anywhere. And it basically sat two feet in front of the goal with, Cody all the way on the post, just sitting there ready for Lima to punch it in. And Schmidt was able to get a toe to it, knock it out of there and, uh, and save a goal there. But at the same time, you know, he, he had the penalty that, that cost us the goal, uh, on a play that just wasn't necessary. Um, he came rumbling in there and, uh, I don't remember who exactly he fouled, but there was a defender and the goalie between the offensive player and the net, uh, so Schmidt really didn't need to need to come charge it in there to try to save anything when we had support behind him and ended up running past the ball, knocking over the player. And, um, you know, say what you will. I, I've heard some people say that, that the um, refing was suspect um, and the call was suspect. I think it was definitely a penalty. Um, I think that the refs are USL refs. And after last year, 
we need to learn to just accept that and move on and not complain about it as much as we did last year or as much as we did after this match. Because, yeah, there were two times in particular that I yelled at the TV at the ref. Um, one, uh, Tenari just got elbowed straight in the face, what mm-hmm. looked like on purpose to me. Um, and then one, Devin went up in the air in the box to get a header and just got laid out. And it takes a lot to lay out Devin Sandoval. So uh, I don't think you can tell me that there wasn't contact there that was inappropriate. So so I think there were a couple instances where the refs missed something. But for the most part, I think it was a fairly evenly called match. I feel, I feel that uh, the refing really didn't play a part in winning or losing this match. I feel like what hurt us was um, a costly penalty. And then just not being able to finish on the offensive end. Uh, how did you feel about the defensive side of the ball, at least? Um, had we score, had we been able to score, I feel like Justin Schmidt's performance would have been swept under the rug. And I, I single-handedly feel like he had both the best and the worst play defensive plays of the match. Exactly. Uh, you, you mentioned the clearance there from the from the goal line. Uh, that was in the forty first minute. I think it was Day De Vianda was the one who had the ball. So he just couldn't get out. Schmitty, you know, did clear it, uh, which was great. You know, I mean, Cody made a great save, um, and you know, Schmidt got it out of there, out of there. But yeah, and then right after the break, he fouled. I believe it was a. You said it was Tumasi that he fouled in the box. Just completely yeah. clattered him. Um. Yeah. Completely unnecessary. It was a foul. It was a penalty. Um. Anyone that thinks otherwise, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. I mean, you cannot just r- run someone down in the box and it not be called. That's just the the way it is. Um. You know, Justin did not play the ball. There, there was nothing there uh, that that could have even made it uh, be considered. Uh, not a foul, you know, not a penalty. Um, I mean, on the whole, though, I mean, the, the defensive unit played really well. Uh, Kalen Ryden was a standout for me. Um, he played really well. David Najem played really well uh, also. Uh, those guys did a fantastic job. I mean, uh, and Kalen's got some wheels. Um, I think we, we talked about it, um, I think, in the preseason, you know, um, watching him play. But yeah, I, he tracked back a few times and he was running down. Uh, I think he ran down McFarlane at one point. Um, and yeah, Kalen's got some wheels. He played tremendously well. Uh, his vision uh, was really good. I think he played something like 85, 84, 85% of his passes on the night. Um, and he was actively searching to go forward. Um, you know, compared like, Justin, most of Justin's passes were side to side or, or backwards. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of Justin, but he just, he did not have a good night at all. Um, and I think, you know, aside from uh, the one, the, the, the one or two instances, you know, the, the, the ball there on the, on the goal line and, and the foul, I mean, realistically, we didn't give uh, Austin a, a number of, uh, really, you know, more than a handful of looks at goal. Um, you brought up another name that I want to talk about tonight as well, uh, Andrew Tanari. Honestly, I'm surprised that Tanari did not get at least a yellow in this match. Um, he was, I felt he was playing recklessly. Um, and a number of the fouls that he committed, I felt, 
probably could have been yellow carded. Uh, I think he definitely got away with a few. Um, but yeah, honestly, him and Justin were were two of the players that I felt like did not necessarily perform at a level that they needed to. Um, and now maybe some of that's because uh, Josh Suggs wasn't in the lineup. You know, we I don't know if you saw the tweet that went out before the match. You know, of course, you know they they put out the eleven, and we both thought that Suggs would be in there, and then he wasn't listed in the 11 or even in the subs. And then the club did something that they didn't do at all last year, which was they actually put out the injury report. And yes, that so, was greatly appreciated by the way. Yes. Uh, yeah. As members of the media, that's, that's tremendous. I, I absolutely loved it as a supporter of the club. I hated seeing, you know, four guys out with injuries, you know, week one, but I, I feel like, you know, Justin was kind of put in a role, put in a position where he wasn't necessarily, um, ready and i hate to say that you know especially for a veteran guy like justin um but yeah yeah like i said defensively as a whole i think we play really well kayla you know kaylin's height uh really helped out in the back um and i think he did a tremendous job of tracking mcfarland on those runs and keeping guys uh like lima from getting possession in and around the box so i you know, I, I think it's a definite improvement over last season. Um, and we'll just have to see what happens going forward, you know, with these injuries and what sort of changes um, happen next week. Yeah, I, I agree with just about everything there. Um, I wasn't as disappointed in Tanari as as you seem to be. I thought uh, I liked his energy. Um, I liked a lot of what he brought. Uh, he definitely probably could have got a yellow card. I feel like, I mean, there were four yellow cards in the match, and I feel like there probably could have been four more pretty easily um, on both teams. But uh, it it definitely um, it definitely left a lot to be desired uh, when you were watching it. The stats are are definitely in our favor. Uh, we won possession. We won dual rate. We won aerial duels. We won uh, interceptions. We had more corners. We had um, more shots on goal, um, more shots on target, uh, more shots in general by quite a bit. I mean, basically, um, the stat department says, uh, that we, we were the better team, but the scoreboard does not. And, uh, that feels like, uh, it, it could be a problem. Um, if that trend continues, obviously I do think that, um, I I'd talk about uh, in for a minute. Um, he just was incredible. Um, I was excited when we signed him. Uh, I knew he was a very, very, very good player. And uh, to actually watch him in a match um, from end to end, he just, uh, he blew me away. Even, even though I was already hyped up to have him on the team, he definitely blew me away. I mean, he was everywhere. He, he was just fantastic. Uh, he was the star brothers man of the match. Um, and I think it was probably pretty easy for that. Um, it, it, it was, it was hard to really pinpoint it, The match was so up and down for us. Uh, um, I don't feel, I, I feel like Austin should have won. Um, I don't feel like we deserved the win necessarily, but I also, I, I watched the game and I just think, you know, we had our chances. We had several good chances. We just couldn't finish. Um, everybody looked a little bit stiff, uh, a little bit nervous, a little bit 
nervy, whatever you want to call it. You know, they they just didn't quite look fully in sync. So I think that'll that'll get better as the season goes along, and hopefully in week two, uh, we can build on some of the successes that we did have. I feel like uh, Raiden looked really good. I feel uh, Amando Moreno looked really good. I feel like if there was anybody else that I was going to point out on a negative side other than Schmidt, uh, it would be Parks. And um, part of that is I don't know if he's a really comfortable out there on the wing. He definitely did not look comfortable uh, attacking from, from the side there. Uh, he didn't look comfortable getting crosses, diagonal balls out to him. He just, he, I feel like he's probably more used to playing up top and uh, I'm not sure why he wasn't brought in as a sub up there or started and had Weehan out on the wing. Uh, it was kind of a, that was the one surprise when the lineup came out to me was having him out there on the wing. Uh, other than that, you know, with Suggs not being in there, you know, we had Suggs, Tete, Ryan Williams, and who was the fourth that was on the injury list? Why can't I think okay. of the fourth? Um, all right. Uh, so, you know, Tete is who I thought would start in the as a center back next to Raiden, and he might have had he been healthy, but we'll never really know. Um, but having Suggs and him, ah, oh, yes, Yearwood. Um, so, you know, having Yearwood, Suggs, and Tete out, you know, we didn't have any defensive subs really. Uh, except for Sam Hamilton played a little bit of center back for us last year. Uh, but in the 18, we really didn't have anybody that could come in and help uh, on that back line. And I think that hurt us uh, around the 60th minute, right around the time that the penalty was. I think the penalty was a little bit before that. But I just it definitely, definitely not having those guys, I think, hurt us more than than uh, I was expecting for sure. And when we talk about the FC Tulsa match next week or this coming week, uh, talking about the trying to predict the lineup, I think if those guys are healthy, one or two of them are in the starting lineup over over some people that started in this first match. Um, I think think would have performed better if you'd swapped him with, uh, say, Amando. Uh, Who was the first name? Sorry, I didn't catch it. Romeo. Romeo. Yeah. I, well, because Amando was on the other side, so I think he probably should have been up front with Dev. I think he should have been up in a more center forward position and and not having to to attack with the ball at his feet and having actual service to him instead of him trying to create on his own or have to serve to others. Um, but I, I'm not as familiar with his game as I am the guys from last year, obviously, because I didn't watch a whole lot of the Irish second division over there, so. Uh, it's hard to say for sure, but I know that he didn't, to me, he didn't look comfortable out there. And that was the one spot of the offense that I thought uh, looked not great. I think um, Amando looked good. Weehan looked good most of the time. Devin was his big bruising self. Um, so I think those, those spice. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was interesting from outside the box. That was, I gave him props for that. That was, and honestly, if it wasn't right at the keeper, it probably would have caught the keeper off guard and probably would have been in the net had it not been right at him. But, um, I think, I think we're fine. I think, uh, everybody looked, looked good enough. A lot of things to build off of. I just, it is frustrating not at least getting a point out there when, uh, 
all we did was give up a penalty. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's definitely tough to to look at that. Um, but there, I mean, there were some. You know, we've talked about some of the negatives. We talked about some of the positives. Um, so last year we we saw, um, uh, I think it was Josh that was delivering most of our corner kicks. I was not impressed at all with Andrew's ability to deliver on corners. I felt like none of them were really served, you know, into the box where someone could play them. I mean, the best, the best delivery he had on the one is when they basically ran the set play where Bees came up out near the spot, and Andrew, you know, sent it into him there, and Bees got the shot off. But other than that, like, I, I really felt like the delivery on the corners left a lot to be desired. Um, maybe when you know Josh comes back next week, we see. Um, cause you know, I know bees took the one from the, from the far side, but Andrew took the, took the, the vast majority of them. And I don't think that he's going to be the one that Troy really wants out there delivering on that. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I think he fell short a little bit there. I, I believe last year it was mostly bees and Santi that I saw delivering the corners. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Santi, I, I know bees took a, a lot of them last year. Um, but mm-hmm. I feel like Santi took a, a fair share of them as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. We did not get our answer to who takes PKs for us yet. Um, because we were not the one with the penalty, of course, unfortunately. Um, but I, I, I'm curious to see what happens on corners and free kicks. And then as well as the penalty spot, uh, I think, I think we're going to see, when we get into the FC Tulsa preview, I think we're going to see a pretty drastically different lineup. Um, but so that if Tanari's not out there, then who's going to take him? I, I think it'll probably be Bees if he's out there. So so I think we'll, this first month for sure, we'll see some some experimenting, some testing, some seeing who's performing and who's not, and uh, go from there. What do you think about Cody? Well, you mentioned Cody. Um, I mean, realistically, Cody was largely untested for most of the match. Um, I think he did fine. Um, his his distribution was fine. He didn't really, you know, I didn't see, Cody didn't really make any mistakes. Um, I mean, other than being unable to control the the one ball from uh, from McFarland. Um, I mean, there was, there was one that looked like it might have gone in that, that one like weird side camera angle from like right behind the goal or to the side of the goal where it looked like that one cross came close. I think if USL had VAR, that it might've been ruled a goal, but, um, I thought Cody, Cody's fine. Um, you know, he, he went the right way on the, on, on the PK. Um, I feel like if Cody had, had like another two inches of height, he might have gotten to it, you know. But um, yeah, you know, Cody's that always was, done pretty good with, with the penalties. So that was, that was my thought uh, on the PK was um, if Philip had been in there and he guessed right, does he keep that out? Uh, but at the same time, uh, like you said, Cody. I mean, he wasn't really tested all that much, and when he was, he passed. Aside from the PK, so he. I know I saw a uh, foot mob on Twitter put um, their 
goalie rankings up for how they did and and he was towards the bottom but i think that was because he basically had one shot on target that he mm-hmm. missed because it was the pk so i i can't blame him too much for that i feel like that if we can see the cody that we saw last year and then the defense that we saw last night you know where cody's not having to lead the league in saves because the defense in front of him is allowing shots on shots on shots you know we could have several more clean sheets than we had last year i think the one the game against austin was probably destined to be a clean sheet if it wasn't for the penalty so um overall i think the defense looks good Uh, i think the offense uh looks like it had had hope at least and just needs a little bit more communication and gelling um but uh enough of the the austin match in my opinion it's in the past and uh I, I just, I feel like we covered that uh, pretty pretty good. Uh, let's look ahead to next week or this Saturday, uh, FC Tulsa. We get to travel out to Oklahoma, where um, Ryden is from, so that should be a fun match for him. Uh, what do you think of that match? The uh, Tulsa drew against Sacramento, one one uh, in week one, and looked better than I think um, some people might have thought. Did you watch any of that one, or what do you think? No, I haven't watched that one. I'll probably go back and watch it um, tomorrow night or Thursday night uh, just to kind of get an Id- a better idea of what FC Tulsa might try to do uh, before I write up my preview this week. Um, f- from looking at the highlight package, they seem to play pretty well. Uh, Rod- Rodrigo da Costa pulled, got their equalizer in the 79th minute. Um, now, FC Tulsa... Um, they are, of course, the rebranded Tulsa Roughnecks uh, from last season. Um, they're they've undergone quite a bit of a change, um, especially when it comes to their roster. Um, last season, we talked a lot about guys like Luca Lobo, uh, who were you know threats and big bodies on the back line. Luca Lobo is gone uh, from Tulsa, as as well as a number of other other guys as well. Um, so. You know, brand new uh, crest, brand new colors, you know, new name. And so it, it only, you know, fits that I think they only returned like 10 guys from last season's roster. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a, a new look FC Tulsa. Um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they put together in the first few weeks and as the season goes on. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's that's where I'm going to start with that. So, yeah that that's a that's a good way to put it. Uh, they're definitely new as far as most of their players. They they've got some very clean looking kits. Uh, I like the I like the crest. I like the the bird that's on it. it everything looks really good. Um, their draw against Sacramento. I don't think there's a whole lot you can take away from it. Uh, draws are are kind of strange i mean rodrigo de costa the guy that you mentioned that that got the equalizer he's definitely my player to watch uh for them he's really the only name that sticks out on their um roster this year and he was very very good last year and so far he's off to a pretty good start this year through one match so he's definitely somebody that we're going to have to contain and try to keep off the score sheet both assists goals uh, everything like that so he's i it's so hard with uh, these teams that are changing. I mean, w- we brought back 13 
players, I believe. Well, 15. Um, 15 with uh, Brucey and Manny coming back. Um, so, you know, we had quite a few that came back and, and we're familiar with them, but Tulsa just nothing really moved the radar for me there. So they could be middle of the pack. They could be really bad. I'm really not sure. We'll just kind of have to see, but I, I think it'll be a good opportunity for our boys to get back on a, on a positive note. Yeah. They brought a couple guys in from Houston Dynamo. They got some guys in from the Miami FC, uh, Nashville FC. And I mean, some of these guys you know, do have some, uh, decent amount of experience. you got Ariel Martinez that came in. Uh, you also have the arrival of, uh, um, Dario uh, Suarez, uh, both of those guys are Cuban nationals, uh, and they're they're both talented. Um, one name, I, another name, I do want to throw out you is Toby Uzo. He was with the club last season and did actually score against us in one of the matches. Um, and speaking of last year, uh, New Mexico between the series season series between United and the Tulsa Roughnecks FC, uh, United won the first match against them. That one was here at Isotopes. That was our first club win. Two uh, one, Devin and Santi scored for us, and Luca Lobo scored for Tulsa. And in the return match in October, uh, Uzo and Janu Silva were the goal scorers for Tulsa at that point, and Devin scored for us as well in a losing effort. Um, yeah, it's they've they've had so much turnover. They've they're just giant facelift. It's really hard to say um, what's going to happen with them. It's hard to predict. Um, you know what what they can do. I, I'm I'm looking now to see if they even have the same same coaches last season. I don't know that they do. Um, uh, I'm trying to pull that up while while I'm here. But yeah, I mean they played well enough to get the draw uh, last this in the first week. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it it's going to be one of those things. We're just going to see what what happens as the season unfolds. Yeah, I I expect them to kind of be middle of the table. Uh, fighting for one of those bottom playoff spots in the West. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, if if Suggs and Tete can can be healthy for this match and uh, we can tweak the lineup just a little bit and, and you know, maybe take advantage of some, some uh, weak spots in their defense that Sacramento, I saw, did the same thing, then we could, we could, should be able to pull out a win. Um, I just, I just don't know about our health and, uh, and um, what they're going to look like. Their lineup might change drastically too. So this early in the year, it's just hard to, hard to see what's going on. Speaking of uh, our, our lineup, do you have a, a lineup that you expect to see out there? You think it's going to be similar or you think it's going to be a, a change up? Um, I think it's going to be largely the same. Um, any changes I think are going to be dependent on uh, primarily the the health of Josh Suggs. Um, if he can come back this week, I expect to see him in there. Um, maybe maybe rotate Schmidt out on the back line. Um, I also think that we struggled uh, a little bit this this week getting the ball into the box. So I think maybe. Um, Maybe moving uh, Amando over to the left and then put Brucey on the right. 
I think that gives us uh, a little bit, a few more options as far as getting the ball in, um, or even maybe you know putting Brucey on the left and David on the right. You know, um, and one thing that we didn't mention earlier, one thing that we didn't really see on Saturday night was Manny Padilla trying to get the ball into the box. You know, as the season went on last year, he he got more and more accurate on his crossing and really put the ball into some dangerous areas for our guys. And that didn't really happen on Saturday night. Do you think that we see more of that from Manny or has something changed um, in his role within the, within the, within the, uh, the 11? No, I think um, from what I saw on Saturday, you know, he, he had a couple attempts at crosses in there. Uh, but for the most part, it seemed like Austin kind of knew what was coming and anytime he got the ball out there on on his side, they closed in on him pretty pretty quickly to try to prevent that cross from coming in. Um, Manny's another one that didn't have a fantastic match in my eyes, um, but I think if he can get the space and the time to get those crosses off, uh, they're still going to be a large part of our offense. Um, as for as for this coming week, I expect him to still be in the lineup. Uh, hopefully Suggs can be healthy and be on that other side. Hopefully Tete can be healthy, healthy and take Schmidt's spot. And then as far as on the wings, like you were talking about, I, I think Amando will still be on that other side. Um, but it, who's going to be across from him is, is what my question is. I, I don't see Park starting um, out on the wing this week. He might start up top, but I don't see him out on the wing. I, I expect it to be Estrada starting or Brucey starting, one or the other. Uh, I thought Estrada came in as a sub and gave uh, a boost to the team and and did some really good things. So uh, he might be rewarded with a start there and then maybe have Brucey come in to spell him uh, later in the match. But I think for the most part, uh, as long as health uh, the health comes back, then we'll see two changes on the back line, uh, probably two changes in the midfield. I think... Um, like I said, Estrada instead of Parks or Brucey instead of Parks. And then I think Muhammad will be in there instead of Tanari. Um, I was, that was my big, one of my other big surprises was not seeing Muhammad in the starting lineup um, on Saturday. So, so I think he might get some run. I think Brucey will get some run. I think um, we saw our boy Sammy Sergi come in late um, and he looked fairly good. We didn't really get him any services in the, the box so he could go up and win them. But um uh, I think we'll see him. So I think it'll be pretty much the same formation, but I think we might see some new faces in in familiar spots with Muhammad being in there, Bruce or Estrada being in there, Tete being in there, and Suggs being in there. Is there anything is there anything that you specifically think that we need to improve upon uh, for week two? I think the guys up front just need to settle down. Um, there, they had some chances that they skied or went wide. Um, I think if, if we can get a couple more of those shots on goal, some of those, everything that we seem to get on target in week one, uh, weren't high quality shots. They were on target, but they were right at the keeper or they were little slow dribblers or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then the one wide, the few wide open chances that we had that looked like we had great, great opportunities were the ones that didn't hit the target. So I think, they just need to, you know, if they get wide open looks, they need to calm down and keep their nerve and 
and just try to finish it or at least put it on target. Cause at least if it's on target, things can happen. If you sky it 20 rows into the stands, you know, there's no way you can do anything off of that. So that was what I, what I saw from week one that we definitely need to improve on. I think everything else was, was fairly good. Uh, even the defense, like we talked about. So, so I think if we can get, uh, Devin up there and Weehan and Moreno who had both had good looks, if we can get them to just relax a little bit and, uh, hopefully a loss doesn't add pressure to them and they can stay loose and stay clean in the box and, and just get some target finishes out there. Then, then hopefully we'll, we'll get a couple more goals or a couple goals and, and that should be enough. I think that we need to be a little bit better with our service under the box. Number one. And number two, I, something that, really kind of stuck with me watching the match Saturday night was that we didn't have the best ball movement. Uh, we had you know, a couple heavy touches. We had some bad passes, uh, particularly in our own half uh, that could have been disastrous for us. Um, so I think uh, the biggest thing for me is going to be cleaner passing, making sure we're getting better movement. And then also, you know, getting that ball into areas where guys like Dev and Bees can be dangerous, and getting them opportunities to to get those shots off. Um, again, it's something we, we didn't really necessarily do very well, um, and it's something that uh, it, I think is definitely going to improve against FC Tulsa. Yeah, I, we could definitely use some tightening up in those areas as well. Um, to me, I was just looking at the the match last week as a whole. And uh, even though those things were a little off, you know, if we just have finishing, we probably come out of there with a two, one win. If we Mm -hmm. can just get some quality looks on net. So, so I think we'll see some improvement in some area in a lot of areas this week. I think it's going to be a pretty tight game, um, especially in the first half. I don't see anything coming in the first half goal wise until later in the match or later in the half, at least, probably those last five minutes, you know. Uh, I could see us getting a goal or conceding a goal there right before halftime. Um, in the end of the, at the end of the day, I do think we come out with a win, um, 1-0, 2-1, somewhere in there. Um, but I think it is going to be a tough match. Uh, I, th- I think Austin is a better club than FC Tulsa, so we should be able to look better and finish and at least get a goal, our first goal of the year up on the board. Um, But it's not going to be easy. Uh, It never is on the road, especially in this Western Conference. So um, I was a little little more bold last week, uh, pun completely intended there, um, (laughs) by uh, predicting a 4-1 scoreline for us. And obviously I was uh, four goals off on that. But... um, Coming in after seeing them, seeing the guys play and seeing uh, what we looked like and where we needed to improve and where we looked good at, uh, I, I feel confident that we can come out with a, a one goal victory this week and and get our first points up on the board. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a, a tight match. Um, I don't think we're quite loose enough yet. Uh, we haven't quite found that flow. Uh, it probably take us, you know, a little while to get it going here um, against FC Tulsa. Um, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to kind of agree with you. I, I see a 2-1 victory for us. Um, again, like you said, F, Austin is a better team than FC Tulsa. Uh, I don't think there's any disputing that. Um, 
I think we, I think we get, I think we get both of ours in the second half, and then give one up somewhere, you know, around the sixty-minute, seventy-five-minute mark, uh, somewhere in there, just to kind of uh, make us uh, worry a little bit towards the end. But I think defensively, uh, we are we are a much better club than we were last year, and I think um, we're gonna walk away with three points and uh, build that momentum coming back for our uh, home opener. Yeah, I think uh, we both kind of agree there. I definitely, I mean, it could. It sounds like we're, I'm. We're both on the page that it might end up like um, last last year's first match against them here at the lab, where we uh, we went up and then they scored um, late to bring it within one, and the whole last fifteen minutes of the match, we were on the edge of our seat, hoping not to give up a tying goal. Um, so I definitely could see it going that way. I think we could get one late in the half, late in the first half, and then uh, maybe give up one. The 60th minute seemed to be a bugaboo for us last year. Um, seemed like that from like the 58th, 59th minute to the 63rd, 64th minute, we gave up a lot of goals for some reason. Uh, I have to go back and actually check the stats on how many we gave up in that time, but it seemed like it happened fairly often. So I could see it happening again in this one. And, um, tightening that game up a little bit and making us sweat it out. But uh, I feel pretty good that we can go in and get a one goal victory. Um, I think Devin is due uh, for a good service in where he can get a toe or a head to it. And then I think uh, we or, or Moreno um, can get a shot off from just inside the box somewhere and, and have it find the back of the net finally. So um I'm excited for this next one. I want to get that bad taste out of my mouth from the Austin match and um, hopefully see some good things from the, from the team out of there on the pitch. And, and uh, then, you know, we're just days away from the home opener after this one's over. So, so I can't wait for that either. Yep. I'm right there with you. Uh, just counting down the days till we're back home. And uh, that first match at the lab is going to be uh hopefully the hopefully the front office will, uh, open up the, the standing room only. We'll get a packed house out there and we'll be coming back to Albuquerque, uh, riding, uh, three points. Yeah. I was looking at the ticket sales for El Paso, um, going to the website and looking at the map and tickets seem pretty sparse, uh, already. And we're still 11 days out. So, so I definitely think we can get to that 13, 14, 15,000, uh, number in attendance and, and pack it out make it loud make it uh, the place that we know it can be. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And what will help is definitely three points on the road this week. All right. Well, I think that's going to just about do it. Any, any final thoughts uh, like uh, Jerry Springer used to do? <laughs> wow. I haven't thought of Jerry Springer in a long time, my friend. Um, yeah. I, I think that does it. Uh, Anything else we say now will just be repetitive. So, so we're just going to call it there. We're um, it's late. Uh, it's been a long week for the two of us, I know. So, so uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, we just want to remind you that we are on social media out there. We got Twitter. We got a couple couple Twitters out there. We got a a podcast specific one called at the Suncast, and then uh, another handle for Somos News in general. That's just at Somos News. Uh, you can catch us on Instagram at Somos Inos News, Facebook page, Somos Inos News, um, all of our written content, which uh, Seth plugged at the beginning of the show, can be found at dadventuresmedia.com. 
forward slash Somos Unidos. So, <coughs> excuse me, sorry about that. Um, one thing that helps with the podcast is just uh, subscribe to it, rate and review it, um, share us on Facebook and all the other social media uh, if you like what you're hearing. So one other thing, we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, so if you have any questions, uh, you can get to us through social media or email. I'm Jacob at dadventuresmedia.com. Seth is Seth at dadventuresmedia.com. So if you have any questions, thoughts, comments, concerns, uh, anything like that, you can get through us through all of those channels. Uh, we'll be back next week, of course, with a recap of FC Tulsa, hopefully with better news uh, on the results there. Uh, any more news, maybe we'll have some some concrete news on what the broadcast is going to look like on TV. So stay tuned for that. And then, of course, we'll preview the home opener against El Paso. Um, that about do us do it for us. Uh, it's been a long day, like I said. So we'll see you guys next week. You've been listening to Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News. All of our shows are recorded live from Albuquerque and Los Lunas, New Mexico, are written and produced by Seth Bidoff and Jacob Terrell, and are edited by Seth. Special thanks to Jeff2 on YouTube for the music you hear in every episode. All episodes are recorded and edited using Clean Feed and Audacity. All of our shows are proudly hosted on Pinecast.